Well, first up tonight, it has been a whirlwind few days for Carol Todd, needless to say, following the guilty verdict delivered uh, by a BC jury over the weekend, bringing an end to a complex nine-week trial and Carol's years-long fight and wait for justice for her daughter, Amanda, a fight that began when 15-year-old Amanda took her own life in 2012 after years of online harassment and after posting a video on YouTube saying she'd been blackmailed by an online predator. Well, the man who harassed her has now been convicted of multiple crimes. Dutch national Aidan Coban was convicted of extortion, child luring, criminal harassment, and two counts of child pornography against Amanda Todd on Saturday. Here's Carol's reaction on Saturday after a jury confirmed the verdict was indeed unanimous. I am elated that the jury was able to make a decision and so quickly um, and, and pronouncing the guilt of Aidan Caban on all five counts. Justice Martha Devlin says the Crown and the defence are scheduled to meet August 12th to set a date for sentencing. Well, joining me now is Carol Todd, Amanda's mom and founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy. Carol, thank you so much. I know you've been doing a lot of talking the past few days, so I appreciate taking some time to talk to me. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, a lot of talking. You know, I always remember one clip of you before I ever met you that really stood out to me. And someone asked you once about what you would give to know who had done this and you 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 said it was your dying wish to find out um what was it like on saturday to sit in that courtroom and think well now i know i remember seeing that clip because it was on um the fifth estate that's right the documentary right um Mm -hmm. and here we are in 2022 10 years almost 10 years after the date of amanda's death um it was surreal i you know what i'm and i'm still kind of um thinking about it deeply and what keeps replaying in my head because we're all drawn to visuals is in the courtroom um having the court clerk say to the foreperson um reading the charge and hearing the foreperson say guilty count one and then count two count three count four count five and it was, I hate, it was like winning a huge lottery um, because I, I had no idea what that verdict was going to be because there's five different counts, right? Um, yeah. I sat in that jury. It, I sat in that courtroom for nine weeks every day. I heard the same things as the jurors did. Complex, lots of information, um, lots of Witnesses, lots of testimony, a lot of thoughts of evidence, binders and binders of evidence. I had my I had my fears in the nine weeks of um, not hearing guilty. Yeah, tell me about that because sitting, you knew better than anybody. I mean, a lot of us didn't get a chance to sit through the entire trial, but you knew how complicated or how complex this all was. How complex these cases always are. Um, what so, gave you hope that it would work? I mean, or where did you start to have some doubts that it might not? It wasn't, the doubt wasn't because of the evidence presented. There was lots of evidence, Dutch witnesses, forensic experts, um, people, an expert from Australia, experts, like there was about six or seven Dutch people, Dutch detectives and forensic experts flown over. We had our own Canadian experts. Um, There was just so much information, right? Um, Learning about technology, learning about how Wi-Fi routers worked, um, emojis, software, 
and and then it got into uh, Mr. Coban, the evidence there, where he lived, what they found, what they saw, what they what they looked at, and as you sat there day after day, it was like more and more filled your brain, right? Um, and then defense also had the chance to cross-examine. Where it started to make sense, when Crown did their closing arguments and brought it all together. In they had, uh, I think they were closing for three or four days, and they did a PowerPoint with graphics, and it was color-coded, and you could see the lines, and it matched up. And it was like that epiphany where it was like, yes, this is understandable because jurors are average, common, everyday people like you and I. We're not forensic experts, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is, this is it. This is the moment where it, it's becoming like the light bulb all of a sudden turned on for me. So if it turned on for me, it would turn on for the jurors, I hoped. And so when you walked in, uh, when you'd heard they'd come back quickly, uh, generally that means they've come to a decision quickly, which can be good and bad, right? We've been there before. But in this case, it felt like it was probably going to be a guilty verdict if they came back that fast. I I thought, and I'm no legal expert, but having having covered a lot of court over the years. Well, it was almost like if you blinked, you would have missed it. Right. I I talked to Mm -hmm. a few reporters who got the email and then tried to rush to the courthouse and um, either didn't make it or made it just barely. So um, on Saturday morning at 930, we heard that there was a question from the jurors. Um, They they brought the question into um, the courtroom and counsel, legal counsel and and the justice talked about it, um, answered the question that was presented, brought the jury back in, um, told the jury, like, what, how to, how to look at the question again. And this was count five. This was the criminal harassment count. Um, the jury left to further deliberate. And we all thought that, okay, they're just going to talk all day and deliberate. And maybe Sunday there would be a, a, a verdict. So we all went outside for some fresh air. Um, and within a few minutes, one of the sheriffs motioned to me that I needed to come inside because everyone was reassembling and there was a verdict. And wow. I was like, wow. And, uh, what a, what a journey, but, what a journey, Carol, what a journey. Deep breaths. Right. And yep. I remember, I, I'll, I'll always remember that day and hearing the first guilty and going, yes. Right. Um, and, and then hearing the second ones because the two child pornography charges were the ones that were based on either um, there was direct or circumstantial evidence, and the evidence had shown that um, Aiden Caban didn't have images or video of Amanda in his hard drives. But I mean, it was it was a couple years since her death, so he could have deleted it. And and the forensic experts found fragments of of whatever, right? But mm-hmm. that would be, have been circumstantial. So. I am so happy for the jurors. I don't know what their names are. I mean, I've looked at them for nine weeks, right? But I would like to put a big thank you out to them. And I haven't done that on any of my media yet. But just a a big thank you for processing the information, giving up nine weeks of your life to sit on that jury in the trial of my daughter. 
I'm sure they knew who you were, Carol. I know you were there every day, so I'm sure they, they you were a familiar oh, face yeah. to them. I'm yeah. speaking with Carol Todd, Amanda's mom. Over the weekend, a guilty verdict on five counts for Aidan Coban, who is uh, accused of extortion or convicted now of extortion, harassment, communication with a young person to commit a sexual offense, and position, possession of the distribution of child pornography. Uh, this verdict comes 10 years nearly since Amanda took her life at the age of 15, and we're talking about uh, with her mom tonight just about the verdict, what it means. And when we come back, we'll talk a bit about what's next, uh, because since then, uh, Carol's obviously devoted a lot of her time to trying to make sure this doesn't happen to other children. And of course, we know, and we've been talking about this recently on the show, that we've seen new numbers that this, in, in fact, is continuing to be a big problem for youth right across the country. We'll get to that after this. Our guest this half hour is Carol Todd, mother of Amanda Todd and founder of the Amanda Todd Legacy. We're talking about a guilty verdict this weekend from a jury here in BC, a conviction for uh, Eamon Coban, who was uh, found guilty of five charges related uh, to the harassment, the online harassment of Amanda back in uh, more than a decade ago now. Uh, Carol, what must your thoughts have been about Amanda when all this happened? You know, we've been fighting this fight. I still see those pictures of her frozen in time. Yeah. Um, listening to her sing, you know, it's it's um, that part of it's still so sad, to be honest. Yes, and you know what, I get I get messages all the time, and 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 we, I repost things, right? Because I yep. just want her memory. It's my way of of remembering her, and I need to as her mom. Um, I miss yeah. her dearly, but um, this this verdict, this trial was for her. It, it, her voice. Right. She she told her story um, in her black and white video. And um, to honor her, we did the fight and we won. It's a good way of putting it, because if she hadn't had if she hadn't had the courage to make that video, you know, we might not be here. I have said that many times. Right. Um, She she wouldn't have put her story out there. Um, It wouldn't have. I guess gotten gone global around the world. Other other kids, other families, other in schools, they wouldn't have, have heard her story um, or had that conversation started. Because mm-hmm. I understand in in many countries and different in different cities across the world, um, her video was shown and it started that conversation on bullying, cyberbullying, helping others, being respectful, um, what to do online, safety online. So it was really, it was really her. And I'll say that, right. I believe it, that, that started this whole motion. And it feels like Carol, that, that what she was warning about is no less relevant today than it was 10 years ago. Oh, I know because I mean, what happened to her online with Aiden Caban started back in um, early 2010, maybe late 2009, um, when I was looking, when I was in the courtroom and, and watching the evidence, right? The platforms that kids used back then, it was Skype, Facebook, and um, YouTube. YouTube messaging, mm-hmm. YouTube had had some email stuff going on. And then you look at 2022, kids aren't using those platforms at all. Or, I mean, YouTube's used for just watching videos now, right? Um, It changed. And now there's different things like Snapchat and Instagram. And I can't even name all the ones that the kids are using these days. Um, And parents often ask me, so what can I do to be better informed? 
right, on what my kid is using? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> it is a big question. It's a tough question because parents want to know how to protect their kids because they see someone like Amanda, they think, that could be mine. That could be my kid. Yes. Easily. Yes. You know, easily. You know what? Pork equipment. In a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. In a heartbeat, even after many, many table kitchen table discussions, unfortunately, it could still be your kid because these any application with a, a chatting platform um, or a chatting video platform. And I, I'm not a fear monger. I hate putting fear into people's hearts, um, but it's more about prevention and safety, right? Like, like we have medical first aid, we have mental health first aid. We need to have a toolkit like for our technology first aid what we have, what we know. Um, It's so easy for a child to... Predators out there are very evil and they're very smart. And I was just talking to someone today about like a a situation. And that's the best way to present and talk to your kids. Present stories and say, what would you do if... And then if they fall into a situation... They've had practice in figuring a way out with their with their adult caregiver, their parents, right? And it's so easy that um, hypothetically something's posted, um, and then someone is putting a negative comment on it, and it and and say that the bad person knows that this is going to hurt the person who posted. So that conversation started. Yeah, that was a really bad comment. Uh, how are you feeling? And, and then person feels like they're um, someone cares about them. And then the conversation might move somewhere else on another platform. And right. then it starts that trust is built and possibly the grooming starts. Right. So we, we do have to have a conversation about pri- information, privacy and who to talk to, who to trust and all that stuff. I only have about 30 seconds left, but I was going to say that, that this conviction, though, I would think mm-hmm. does at least set a precedent that you must be happy with. It does set a precedent because if you, if you Google sextortion cases in Canada online, you won't find a whole lot online. And Aiden Caban was an international predator. And there are literally thousands out there um, preying on children or, or waiting. And so... A, a tidbit is if a predator doesn't get the right answer from a child um, and a child could be up to 18 years old within the first minute of asking questions, they will move on to someone else. Right. Carol, so yeah. extortion continues to be a problem. Carol Todd, thank you so much for your time. Once again, um, you know, happy you heard the verdict you wanted to hear after all these years on Saturday. Yes, and we have to wait for sentencing now. Yeah. Carol, thank you so much. Thanks, Ben.